The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. When you meet a man, do you encounter them with an openness and then you contract or do you contract and then you allow yourself to open? Depending on the energy they give off, if an energy is confusing to me, I contract first and then I allow myself time to get to know and open if I feel safe. It's a wonderful chaos, random, messy and glorious. Solo or tandem? We work to find rest and fight to find peace. And the atheist pray? It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it Hello, Mr. Shaler. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Demetrio. Trust uh, is a must. I cannot trust men with my friend, Natalie Galfrascoli. And she's the one that gave the name to the show. She gave us the name. So we're going to spend the hour with her discussing why she can't trust men. I, I don't <sighs> know how I was feeling about this show. Me too. When, when she, uh, Natalie, I saw Natalie posting today uh, mm -hmm. the event. She was sharing it. Yeah. And in a way, I don't trust men. And then she was saying, I'm going to have this podcast with these two superheroes, which tells me that she trusts us enough to be here with us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always find when we bring shows like this on, when someone has an issue with men, like I always hold them a little bit like more lovingly because I also realize that, you know, it's not that we're separate from the challenges this person may be facing. Where have we disturbed in our past and even current life? Yeah, yeah. If Natalie met me 30 years ago, I would have been the person she couldn't trust. Because I couldn't even trust myself, right? I didn't know what I wanted. So how the hell could I be with somebody else? That, that's often the challenge in life is that, uh, you know, we, we haven't worked out our own shit. And now we're working with other people who have worked out their shit. And then that just doesn't, that doesn't connect well. Yeah. I, I also, I mean, I think men and women have been hurt by each other and by their themselves. Yeah. I think, historically speaking, women more than men have been. I don't even know if that's true. No? I think there's often pattern, and the pattern is reflected in almost, like we always say, what's the the pattern you keep reliving over and over again? Well, I'm, I'm looking at historically. Like, okay. if, if I look at the Middle Ages, women were burned as witches. <laughs> uh, You're going back in some TV. I, I, I'm going collectively. Wow. Like, think, think about women being raped, during, like women and children being killed and raped during war. Yeah. Like, they are the target of war crimes. Okay. Hashtag me too. I mean, you, you don't get men saying hashtag me too, even though a few men did come up and say yes. Of course, yes. yeah, yeah. But it was very few compared to women. And when I saw the title, the reason I didn't feel completely comfortable is uh -huh. when someone makes a statement, I cannot trust men, 
then I, all I'm feeling when I read that is a deep pain, an experience which this person has had, mm. which was so painful that it caused her to live her life. Yeah, yeah. Um, with having this uh, distance. Am I safe with you? Am I safe with you? Yeah. It's and, interesting because I, you know, on the title, I'll hear, I can't trust. And I don't even think of the last word, men or women. I just hear in my head, I can't trust. And then, and then that takes me more not to the objectification of, of, a, of the other uh, gender, but it takes more into like a connected experience where I don't even need the other person to feel the discomfort of not being able to trust. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel, how I sensed it. And before the show, you asked me something. Yes. I don't remember what you asked me. You asked me about trust. How do I? Oh, I asked you, um, do you trust women? And then you said, I don't separate men and women. Oh, exactly. Is, same is, point. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I don't really like I trust until I have any indication that there's no trust. And I see that that can be confronting for people because I treat people I've just met as if they're very good friends. Mm. Because I often feel there's no reason that they wouldn't be friends. And then, of course, what friendship means may be something that, that everyone interprets differently. But I see that everyone is full of love and compassion and challenges and messiness. So if I just love the person, then their challenges start to show up in the relationship. Then it's a little bit more like, hey, what did I do or what's going on? And then you can connect again. Mm. So I, I, I like... Some people protect themselves and say, I don't want to get too too close too quick, where I'd say, let's get really close and then let's see how far or how much further we can go or where we can continue to manage it to try to keep it in a, in a more loving, connected space. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I hear you. And yeah. when you when you meet people and you give all that love, to what degree do they contract or uh, shut down? Yeah. Because as a, you're a man and all of a sudden you have this love, what do you want from me? Yeah, I think I'm lucky in that I turned 50 and I've got a belly and I got a wife that I love. And so there's no ulterior motives. Yeah, but if, you, if they see you on the street or if you're having a call with someone. Oh, I usually give no air of anything other than just the, just the, just the playful gratitude and fun and joy. So, and we live in the Netherlands as, and as you kind of know, the people here are so direct and so certain in a lot of ways that the women stand their ground here. If anything, you know, you have to be more scared here than <laughs> you'll be put in your place if you're not uh, acting appropriately. Yeah. Oh, I love, do you see the first question that Bolalong posts for us, which is really nice. And, and, and I think with that, we have to bring her on. We have to bring you on with this question. This is an important first starting question. We asked you this off of air and well, we, we said, ask don't you, answer. Who do you trust more? Yes. Oh. Natalie, this is the moment of truth. Do you trust Andy Chaliff or Bambos Charles Demetrio? And I'm going to add more at the end of the sentence. I feel a little internal conflict because actually if I base it off time and time that I've spent with the person and how much I've seen of them I would say bambos but there's something that 
I felt with Andy the first time I met him, which I didn't feel with Bambos, which was actually a feeling of safety. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Bambos, maybe you remember when we met, and I think I'd shared this with you before that I found you a bit intimidating. And that for me was a bit of, yeah, mm-hmm. a challenge yeah. at the beginning. And I think this is a really nice way to start the show, not for a joke, because I usually like to make jokes, but what would be the behavior that you would witness in either one that you'd say, oh, that's feeling or behavior that I feel more trust in? I think it's something energetic, to be honest. Like I'm not feeling into like an actual behavior. It's something energetic that I feel. Mm. I guess I, when I feel an energy of like, there could be potential for like some sort of sexual exchange or like an energy of that vibe, then that's when I go into, am I safe here? Like, or I guess when that energy is not there and it's really just a curiosity and just kind of hanging out or I feel this, this, this distance in that sense, mm. uh, it could be due to age as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Then, then that, yeah, that creates trust for me already. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that age is always, yeah. No, it, no, it no. I still like mean, to have you know, sex. Like, I still like, to, for everyone listening, <laughs> I still like to have sex. I do want to make that explicit. <laughs> um, I, you know, I loved your answer. And I believe I would answer that um, the same for myself. It's a vibe. And you feel it. And, and it's like, I always call it like a resonance of like, what's the energy that's coming off of this individual. And when you try to explain it to someone else who doesn't experience life that way, then they think that you're interpreting or you're projecting or like, they don't realize that there's really something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing or starting there with us. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show and thank, thank you for you. giving us our name. Thank you for trusting us. <laughs> How did you feel after you found out that our show became named after your your comment? I mean, honestly, it felt right. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was super honest when we had that first show. Like, that's exactly what it, what it felt like. It felt like a wonderful chaos. You know? Everything and, uh, was breaking down, right? <laughs> everything, nothing worked. Bambos was downstairs when we started the show, and he ran up. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Do you do you guys mind if we transition into the actual Please. topic? Yeah, I'd love it. Um, so, I'm I'm curious, Natalie, where where did this statement become true for you? For the like as a as a sensation, before you could even put words to it, can you can you take us there, please? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel that it's something that has always been there with me for the past 20 years uh, since I, I I became even aware of my relationship with, with men and with the masculine. Um, and I don't know if I should explain, like when I talk about the masculine for people watching or if it's kind of... You can. Um, you can say what do you mean when you when yeah. you say masculine. Yeah, the masculine, I guess, uh, for me, it's a, any masculine figure in, in my life, but also uh, to my own my own masculine energy, my own, um, as uh, we have this masculine energy, um, masculine and feminine energies within us. Um, Because 
I feel like big part of me not being able to trust men is that for a long time, I did not trust my own masculine. I, I did not trust my own elements of masculinity in myself. Mm. Um, and also uh, not just not just me and men, but also like masculinity uh, socially, right? Like in society, like the energy of, of the masculine in society and how we've been raised to um, to behave and feel about certain things and um, the culture of work and racing and achieving, and which for me are all elements of this kind of unhealthy masculine. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, be, being completely honest, uh, my relationship with the masculine and this, this statement of not being able to trust men started with, with my own father. Um, that's really the, the first memory I have of not being able to trust my father in, in a lot of ways. And then realizing that actually it's because I was not taught how to trust myself and my own say and my own body and my own response uh, to what was happening. What was the thing that you were experiencing with your father that made you feel you couldn't trust him? Hmm. I can think of so many situations, but one that really comes back to me a lot, and I've shared about this in when I shared my, my story, um, it's, it's something as simple as um, I remember sitting on the, the family table with both my mom and my dad and my sister and uh, we were having a meal and my dad would push me to eat things that I didn't want to eat. So uh, something actually that feels quite innocent, but actually I feel like that's probably where my programming started. And um, uh, so there was this food that I that I didn't really like and, I, and he was like kind of like, no, you need to eat it. You need to finish a play like. Um, because your mom made it for you and it's good for you and da 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 and then okay I mean to that to that um, uh, to that extent that sounds all good and healthy but the problem was that uh, when I refused to eat it or when I was really struggling then he would get angry and he would raise his voice and then he would just like force me to like literally shove it down my throat and or and and, and then if I did not do that then I would be told off and then sent to the corner and then I had to stay there and I had a really bad time and. I would be crying, and um, and with that, with that small episode, that for me meant that I cannot trust what you know what what I want. I cannot trust my own body. I cannot trust that if I'm not wanting to eat this, like I have, uh, I don't have the freedom to just do that, and I don't have the right to to uh, to trust that in myself mm. um, because there's this figure of authority telling me that I cannot. So. That's the earliest memory I remember of, um, yeah, of somehow having to please my father or um, mm. not trust myself. Mm. Oof. <laughs> I have to acknowledge that being a man and talking about this subject, I, I started to feel that my breath was getting shallow as you were speaking. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh, I, I feel really tender right now. That's all I want to share. Mm. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to see because, you know, like you'll be in a supermarket and you'll see a parent, you know, being uh, very aggressive with their children. And then you'll always think, oh, in my mind, it's the discussion we're now having. And it's like, oh, wow, I, I can imagine how that struggle would be for that child when they grow up. 
I mean, I also had the struggle myself. So I, I know um, mm. from from the abuse of uh, of the dad as well. But uh, clearly, it's a different relationship for a man to the father, a woman to a father. I've seen different expectations of what you need or want from them. Yeah. Yeah. Where I become curious now is in, in my life, when I've met women who have had a difficult relationship with their father, they then go, move on into life and they start dating men who have those qualities. And to what degree has that been true for you? And how did that impact you? If Yes, it has been the case. <laughs> um, I would say especially my last relationship because probably that was the, the deepest um, form of, of relating that I've experienced. Before that, it was more this um, dating, let's say, um, you know, college type of uh, relationship where, where there was not a level of depth, um, where I could really even see these patterns or see these behaviors. Mm. Um, but in my last relationship, I... I Obviously, it took me some time to to realize because the things that that seem small, then all of a sudden, then become big over time, and then we start realizing things uh, as the iteration goes. But indeed, I noticed how I compromised a lot from the beginning. Uh, things that I tolerated in the beginning of the relationship, right now, today, I would I would not tolerate. Um, yeah, and I would speak up way earlier, and I would. Yeah, I would probably walk away <laughs> in a lot of in a lot of cases. Yeah, indeed, indeed, elements of of narcissism and uh, not feeling not feeling seen, me expressing a boundary, and then that being seen as oh, you're exaggerating or you're being uh, passive aggressive. I received that one a lot from men. Yeah, somehow invalidating my experience or negating mm. what I was feeling. Mm. Yeah, that's a biggie, negating another person's experience. Because then you're not seen or heard, and not only that, you're even being judged for it. You're not allowed to have that experience, clearly similar to what you were mentioning as a child. When you talked about it, I'd be curious, what were the patterns you kind of named a few just now, but what were the patterns that you noticed come up in this last relationship where you're like, oh, wow, that's reliving an earlier self? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that comes up is uh, it feels quite private to share. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the smile and I said, that one, that, that smile, that one, that was the one. And then this I didn't is remember. what we're here for, right? <laughs> <laughs> um... Are, yeah, are you, I guess. Like, are, are you willing to share it? Yeah. Would, yeah, would, you, yeah. Would, you, would you like to sing it to us? And yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember expressing uh, certain needs that I had in in intimacy. Okay. So basically, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna frame it for you guys. So what was happening was that I was being approached to intimacy in a way that didn't feel good for me. Mm. Uh, sometimes. It didn't happen all the time, but at certain moments it did happen. So the situation was like we were watching a movie or something, and then my partner would approach me in a way that he's trying to, to flirt with me or seduce me into, into having sex. And the energy he was giving off in those moments for me felt like I felt some sort of pressure for some reason that I, I had to. 
if I would be like, oh, okay, not now, that that, and he would keep, keep insisting. So it's almost like he was not really trusting my my no in that moment. And it happened. It happened to me, and it happens to a lot of women that I know that you know sometimes you just give in, and uh, eventually you give in and you you have sex, and then after you get a feeling of why did I do that? Because it doesn't feel good. So I remember this happening a couple of times, and then at some point. I started. I noticed a lot of anger uh, in one of those situations after, and a lot of. Um, I was kind of disappointed and this honestly dissatisfied as well because I didn't feel. I think the thing that was hurting me was that I didn't feel connection uh, in the way that was being approached, but also in the way that it was being done. And then after, like after care, I didn't really feel a connection, and I started to question, like, why is he actually? Is he actually just wanted to have sex with me to 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 feed some sort of urge or uh, need of his own, or is he really doing it to connect? And in those moments, I did not feel a connection whatsoever. Yeah. But then the response I was getting was that, uh, oh, no one ever ever told me that before. All my exes didn't used to complain about that. And obviously that triggered even more anger. <laughs> um, so somehow negating, negating my experience and what I was feeling in that moment, I think that, well, actually the, one of the biggest gifts we have as women is our intuition and and being able to feel these things when energetically our man is not being present with us we will feel it in our body and we will close down and we will resent and we will get angry and we will we don't want to be in that place how many years ago like four or five years ago it's interesting because i can certainly see an earlier part of me that was very much like your ex, your ex uh, boyfriend. Mm. Like I can totally see that part of me that the sexual drive was so great that it was it was more anab- animal than it was looking for any connection. It was more the taking than seeing how to. Yeah, there was there wasn't a connecting exercise in that moment. It was a very much a like you know like just animal. Yeah. So it's as you speak, it's interesting because I also am reflecting on my own life and realizing, wow, uh, there certainly would be women I'm sure in my life that would feel similar to how you felt towards your partner. Definitely. Yeah. And before Andy spoke, I was thinking. As men and women, before we go into the world, we, we don't really get sex educated. And that was that was why I asked how many years ago was this? Because also, in a way, the younger version of myself had no clue, no clue how to, what, what my definition of sex today, completely different than if I even had a definition back then. It felt like sex was like food and air mm. in a way, very basic. And yeah. Ralph Lewis chimes in that animal I see as a dysfunctional conditioning. That's how he describes it. Well, yeah. Let's just also get one thing straight. I mean, the women that I'm attracting today would never be attracted to the bambos from 10 years ago. Like no way. And so, and also same with me, like I would never be attracted to the women that I had been with 10 years ago. 
So we're constantly evolving and to what degree do we allow that hurt to move into the next relationship? And of course, um, yeah, I, I feel a contraction in my body if I have to go there. So as I'm speaking now, I, I hear my next question. When you meet a man, do you encounter them with an openness and then you contract or do you contract and then you allow yourself to open or a mix of these two? Again, depending on the energies they give off, if an energy is confusing to me, I contract first and then mm. I allow myself time to get to know and open if I feel safe. Mm. As you were sharing, I actually got curious about uh, what is the bambos of now doing that the bambos of back then wasn't? Or what was the bambos of now being? Or, yeah. I, w I would say that I I see sex as like I can't like in in this body right now at this age I cannot have sex if there's no love. There has to be some level of love, and um, <clears throat> I always experience because you put everything into it, it's quite a lot of energy. <laughs> so so if you're going to half-ass it and hold back, then it's not fulfilling. So sex for me is I'm using my whole body to ex to share with the woman how I feel about her. And penetration doesn't have to happen. Like it's the whole, the whole journey. And a lot of men talk about, Oh, um, I ejaculate very quickly. I'm, I'm like, how long is your foreplay? And normally it's like, Oh, there's no foreplay or it's like a couple of minutes. And then, so I've been telling my male friends, the longer the foreplay, cause we need it too the longer the lovemaking and, and you don't do it as um, as a, if I do this, I'm going to get that. It, it, is, it is like a fluidity. And back then I had no clue. I, I think I had to take my first Tantra class before I uh, started to discover like, Oh, there's an other orgasm. There's a different way of being in bed. Like, Oh, this is really confusing. I wish we had this in school. <laughs> mm. What did your parents teach you about sex and men, if anything? It's interesting that you asked this because um, there's also this one episode that I remember um, on, on the very first time that my parents ever talked about it. So I went on a school trip with, with my classmates and in that school trip, we went to this planetarium and we found, a, well, one of the, my classmates, we were like 11, 12, uh, one of my classmates found a condom on the floor that day and then brought it to the teacher and, uh, you know, everyone was kind of giggling and laughing. You brought it to the teacher? <laughs> I mean, they brought it to the teacher like, oh, look, da, 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 like we found this, you know. <laughs> I, mean, we, I mean, I don't remember and I don't know if it was used or not. <laughs> it's a different story. But, but basically, I remember the kids laughing and giggling, like, like being a bit, even a bit shy about it. And I had no idea what a condom was. So I had no idea why everyone found it so funny. And then I went home, of course, and I, I told my parents, like, I was just confused. Like, you know, my, my classmates were laughing about this, and I have no idea, like, what this is. And I remember my parents being like, 
okay, we need to talk to you about something. <laughs> um, so actually, in some way, I feel that, um, actually, I feel like my parents had, a, or at least appeared to have a very healthy relationship with talking about sex. Um, because I know from so many of my friends that the parents would never, ever even mention the topic. And in my house, uh, my parents in that moment, for example, they brought in a box of condoms and they showed me and they explained to me like you know, what it's for. And, you know, when mommy and daddy make love, like this is, you know, what you use to protect from like, diseases. Or that. I mean, in that time, I don't know how much I could absorb for all that, but um, they were very much open to talk mm-hmm. about it. Uh, and even nudity in my house was quite common. Like I, I would see my parents uh, naked and like I remember having baths with my mom until I was like seven, eight. So basically this topic of, also of nudity was never, um, um, never an issue at home. However, no one really taught me as I was growing up and, and as I was having my first sexual experiences, what potential for trauma there can be in those spaces even as as little as as it as it can be because it's not just about the physical it's about like what someone tells you during sex and it's yeah it's such a such a vulnerable space it's the most vulnerable space i think that we can share with someone so in that in that sense i wish that someone had told me all the things that happened uh there and all the trauma that we can hold in our body due to these experiences even as innocent as playful as fun as they sound when we are experiencing it maybe being teenagers or young adults um how much of an impact it can have in our lives Mm. i i I do feel that my stomach is turning inside out a little bit um also because i i've i've heard quite a lot of stories recently from female friends their own trauma in sex and uh so as you're speaking, I'm f- getting this really physical feeling of how it was for them, and I'm and it, it just uh... mm. not very comfortable. Mm. And happens way more often than anyone's aware of or wants to acknowledge. Yeah, for some people, it's normal. Yeah. Like for some women, this has been a norm until they maybe get a partner that's doing it a bit different like oh i've never had this before <laughs> i didn't know it could feel like this hmm. it's still such a taboo subject yeah hmm. we've got tons of questions that have come in that we haven't actually touched which would be nice to bring on some of them came early on, and one that was really nice was from Mariam, and we brought this up a few times during the show already. I'm not so comfortable with using the word trust because it implies holding people responsible for our subjective expectations. And I heard you say, I believe on two occasions on the show, I couldn't trust myself yet or things in that direction. And the, or the masculine in me or the masculine in me. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because when I've looked at trust in my life and how it's evolved, I always feel like if I can trust myself, everything is fine. And if I can't trust myself, then all of a sudden things can go a little bit wonky. 
And so I'm wondering to what degree, how can you identify with that a bit more uh, rather than saying, I don't trust men, say, I don't trust until I learn to trust myself, period. I guess until I learned that I needed to trust my own body, my own intuition, my own feelings. Until I didn't learn that, I could not fully trust someone else. And you know, I'm going back to, again to the context of, context of sex. I could not trust someone else with my body. Mm. Um, and actually, and actually, looking back at the title and the "I cannot trust men," I feel that um, for me, the deeper meaning behind that is like I don't feel safe with men. And mm. one of the the very main thing for the the, the main longing of any woman or any person in their feminine essence is to feel safe. And this goes beyond beyond uh, the context of sex, actually. I think that's um, the biggest compliment a woman can give a man. That, they, that she feels safe? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, not- and I noticed, it's, it's really interesting, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing a sharing here in the community that where, where I'm living, and um, we do this... Um, uh, this open sharing with feedback. It's called cellular transformation. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of this before. Um, which basically means that you share and you receive you receive feedback. And actually, a person in in the circle was receiving feedback that was coming from it was coming from mainly the women, uh, but it was really an energetic thing. Like even the men were noticing it as well. That this this what we were calling out on this man is what we were calling out on his integrity, because apparently he was giving off all the the feeling that the women were getting us that he was giving off an energy of like wanting something from the women. Um, and this person was actually, I mean, we, we could consider this person an elder. Uh, and the, the men were calling him out on, you are an elder to us. You are a, a role model for us. We want to, we want to trust you and we don't see you in your integrity. And the women were calling him out on, we, we don't feel safe around you. And, when, when I mentioned that that I could feel the pain that he must feel to, or I can I can feel the pain of the masculine when they're being told that people don't feel safe around them. This man, this person, like burst into tears. And actually, that experience for me was super healing because I got to see also his side of the pain and the hurt that he feels of not making other people feel safe around him. Yeah, I always like to to see the the two sides and I just feel into the pain of uh, the masculine. I mean, that's also been part of my healing. Yeah, we've got uh, some comments uh, that I'd like to carry on from Ralph Lewis, who's been very active today. And he says, "I might have missed this because I came in late, but I'd like to ask Natalie." how she made the shift out of the identification with the pattern from her childhood to where she is now. So how did you make that shift? I guess it it means the shift of me not trusting myself, my experience, right? I would say where you needed to come today to make peace with your relationship with yourself and then, of course, then with, with men. The shift came from, and this is again an ongoing process, um, which I practice every day, every time in every interaction. But 
I think the shift came from accepting and meeting myself in every single thing that I experience, in every single thing that I feel, and not judging it. And next step, sharing it. Like, this is what I feel, and this is where I'm at. And again, trusting my experience first, and then sharing it with another. And not doubting my experience because of the other person's response to it. So mm. still being true and anchored in that. How would it feel right now if I said to you, I think you're wrong? I noticed like this desire to like prove you wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I see in my body as well, like this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Are you in a relationship right now, Natalie? I am getting to know someone, yes. <laughs> so I love that face. <laughs> if he's watching. <laughs> uh, uh, he's <laughs> so <laughs> what does the new, the Natalie, the present Natalie, based on her, her journey so far, how do you engage this current partner? Like even in, in uh, lovemaking and intimacy, like, how is it different? How is it? Yeah. How is it different? I state my boundaries from the start and my needs in intimacy. Can you can you share? Yeah. Can you speak to that? Mm-hmm. And if I share where I'm willing to go, especially sexually. Well, actually, going back to what I was sharing before, like one of my my main boundaries is that I'm not going to engage in intimacy if I don't feel connection if i don't feel a genuine presence uh because like you bambos i also when i have sex i make love and i think it's always been the case like this for me and at some point in my life i confused it with me being hypersexual or that um but honestly deep down my longing has always been to to bring love and and the emotional element to sex I think that's probably my main boundary as a woman and as in my own experience because I want to, if I'm engaging in intimacy with this person, I want to feel open and I want to be able to let go and surrender. And if I, if I feel unsafe, I won't be able to do that. Hmm. And it, it doesn't mean that it all depends on the other person. Yeah. I mean, I... I I create the safety in my own body by doing my work as well. Yeah. Um, of course. Yeah, it's it's such a vulnerable thing for a woman to to completely let go. Not noticing actually the most important thing like that, that happens now that didn't happen then is like as a woman when I'm fully able to let go and surrender, that's the only way I can actually even reach orgasm. Mm. And I hear from so many women that struggle with this. And of course, there can be something physical happening as well. But yeah, on an energetic level, you know, if the woman is not feeling presence and doesn't feel safe to surrender, like, yeah, it's, it's probably quite difficult anyway to, to reach that level of ecstasy. So I, I'm hearing that uh, you create conditions where you can experience the maximum pleasure by being open and trusting. Now, even in that space, though, the, uh, in my imagination, there have got to, or at least also in my experience, there have got to be moments where you feel all this, and he touched you in a way that triggered 
a response where a less conscious man has touched you and, and all of a sudden you shut down. Have you had that experience? And if yes, how did you deal with it? Mm. Yes, it did happen actually once recently. And indeed, I shut down. And indeed, I I was taken back to the past and then to, to a moment. And I was just not mm. there again anymore. And in that moment, I, I stopped and I say, okay, this was too, too much too soon. Like, And I need more time. And I need more... In that moment, I felt like I, I, I was not trusting, basically. And uh, but the fact that I could stop in that moment and express it and share it and not feel like I'm breaking the moment or all this conditioning that I've had also for a while, a while of not sharing a boundary in that moment or, or saying stop or um, the fact that I could do that was already healing in itself. And the fact that he just held space for that and he didn't say, oh, no, you're wrong. Or, oh, no, what are you saying? Or he just held space and then we went back into cuddling and then it was just he was very beautiful he didn't try to change my experience he's hired yeah <laughs> i think that's one of the charges i've felt sometimes in my life and i'll sometimes still see it come up is if i say oh i'm feeling this way like not towards another person but inside myself a feeling and then somebody starts to tell me no you're not feeling that way <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like there is, there's a degree of like, and I'm sensing that you're not feeling that you way. Know, arrogance <laughs> or that other person to tell you how you're feeling. Right. Yeah. Uh, and sadly it's what happened. And, and communication could also be part of our childhood education <laughs> or non in Indonesia. It's really in that culture. It's really a uh, part of the man's duty to, um, and because I lived in Asia often, and at least in those countries, it was uh, it was yeah. uh, interesting that there was the onus. It was the woman was there to serve the man. I was living in the countryside, very small villages. I was the only white person in that village, sort of thing. And in a in a way, it was like no woman was going to come up to me and initiate. So it was my role as the man to take that step. I, we even had one guest on once who flabbergasted me. The, she, the nun that was a dominatrix. Yeah, the nun that was a dominatrix. And she, she said, and she was really strong about it, she said that she felt that Asia was creating this rape culture because the women were, and as she, as she said, they play no, 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 no. And the men are being taught that they have to push over that no. So there was no way that they were learning how to make sex part of their relationship. So as she, as she explained in her words that it was, it was creating this, uh, what one might say unhealthy, but then you were judging the culture, but a different way of, uh, of, of, of sexually relating to one another. Hearing you say this, I just felt a tension in my body and like, I was just like cringing. And actually, now that you explain it, it makes sense because in Argentina, it's a, a, maybe a bit the same. I mean, I guess, yeah, it does apply to sex directly, but also in terms of flirting. Like, it's the man who asks you out. It's the man who approaches you in the bar. It's the man who talks to you. And there is also this thing about a woman saying no, but actually maybe she means yes. Uh, and I, I actually, I blame both men and women for this because it is true to some extent, that women back home do that. To to be like, oh, I just want to play difficult, so I say no, 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 but in fact, I mean yes, and I'm pretty sure that it gets translated into sex as well. And then the man thinks that she's saying no, but actually she means yes. Um, so culturally, yeah, yeah. I've experienced that as well. It's the same in my culture too. And I think uh, 
in most Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, Asian. Yeah. Yeah, we also have some, a lot of comments coming in around this whole discussion. Ralph Lewis has come back in. Well, it's unhealthy because it powers over and is violent to others. Yeah, that's 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 very clear. <laughs> Iris Offer shares, of course, it's well-known paradigm that men initiate sex. Also, what you said, Natalie, about pleasing men by giving in to sex when they do not feel 100% yes is a well-known phenomenon for women are experiencing. And, and thanks to cultural rules... And we have Mariam, who's also says also similar in the Middle East. Yeah. The trust, and it might be nice to kind of connect this into, is the, um, you know, you've also participated in the group on Facebook with the hashtag, and it's fucking great. And, um, and Bola along, that was actually his idea. Funnily enough, on the show, he came on, he said, Andy, why don't we make a hashtag out of one of your books and then out of the last book? And then he said, and it's fucking great. And I thought this is the dumbest idea of all time, because who's going to want to hashtag anything and it's fucking great and post it. And then and then and in, in actually, it, it, the more I thought about it, it seemed like a really beautiful next step. And I'm wondering in your healing process of you mentioned earlier, just embracing your current state. How has that supported you in that regard? It's been one of the main things, actually. Mm. It's just the simplest way to acknowledge my experience and share it with others and have others see it. And not surprisingly, have others resonate with it and uh, send love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, isn't that one of the weirdest... Um, when you post something, I'll feel a connection in myself immediately because even if it's a female experience, there's always part of that that's also in my experience. It's not separate from it. So it's almost like a meditation for me. And when the more intimate somebody is, the more I feel like, bang, I'm back centered again in a way that I didn't even realize I was out of center. So, yeah. Are there things we haven't gone into with you, things that you say were important for your journey, but we haven't asked you questions about? The question I was thinking or something that I would love to share is about what makes me as a woman, what makes me trust a man? Hmm. So we talked about what makes me mistrust them. <laughs> but what actually, what makes me trust a man is when I can feel that he knows what he wants and he shares it, and he's clear in his speech, but also in that he stays true to his words by his actions. Yeah. With that, I see also integrity. So when I feel that there's integrity, yeah, and when I feel like he's acting from his values and not from, from expectations or conditioning or shadows from other men, when I can feel him, when I feel his also his softness and yeah when I feel like he, he can take his mask off in our connection so in a way I guess it's when he has an integrated feminine as well when I can feel when I can feel his heart when he's able to be present with me when he doesn't try to get me somewhere or get us somewhere where he, where he can really be with what is there and not try to fix 
and when he does not feel shame for his sexual energy or attraction for me, but that but but he owns it, like he embraces it and he owns it, and he's not being awkward or weird about it. Where when I have a man come to me and say, "I feel attraction to you." And that's all I'm going to say. And you don't have to do anything about it. That he's just like owning it, basically. Yeah, I actually trust the man who does that. Mm. What about you guys? I don't, I don't tr distinguish between male or female. If I see your eyes and when you speak and I hear that you're speaking from a place which is more grounded, then I'll have more trust. If through our interactions, like you said, there's a consistency of your words with your actions, then I'll have more trust. Hmm. If I see you go through <laughs> adversity, hopefully really, really bad adversity, and I see that you stay consistent to what you've said and then the actions, then that'll increase the trust even more. So I would say I'm always at a trust of an individual, maybe more so than most people around me, because I'd also see if someone is incapable, let's say, of doing all the things I just mentioned, it wouldn't necessarily be because they're not to be trusted. I would say it would be because they're not at peace with something that's going on inside of themselves. So I don't... I don't take trust as a thing. It's more an observation of what feels, and I'd use the word feel because I'm still making assumptions. It would be arrogant to think I hold some truth to this, that there's something there that doesn't feel quite round. And therefore, I don't really know what I can expect. And I also know if the conditions change, that then I really don't know what I can expect because I already don't know what I can expect now. So if the conditions change, there's a whole nother world I wouldn't necessarily be able to anticipate. So, so that's how I view trust. And that's why I say I look less at trust as someone, do I trust an individual? And I look at more as do I trust myself to see every individual in whatever state they're in? And if I don't trust that, then I feel like there's something that I'm not centered around because in some ways, if you go back to that famous quote, like, if you look out at the world, then you'll see everything in yourself. To some degree, I'm only looking at a reflection of me and everyone I look at. So where am I not seeing myself reflected in them or vice versa? Yeah. A very long answer, but that's an honest, uh, an honest. Uh, uh, if we cut it yeah. and put some nice music. <laughs> and a white turban? Are you trying to tell me it sounded like that? And then some clouds. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 we joke. But can you also connect to that way of seeing the world, or does it sound so far out that it's like no, that's way too out there? Uh, yeah, I mean for sure because I I love what you said about uh, also meeting people where they're at. I think that's kind of that's what I took from where you're from, yeah. from your share. Um, and with everything I shared, I, I noticed like how I, I started judging myself like, okay, yes, I, 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 want, I want to feel these things to trust someone. But at the same time, when that person, let's say, cannot be present with me in that moment or uh, is not able to be vulnerable or they feel closed off, the fact that they share that and they say, I would like to be present with you, but I cannot right now 
that actually enhances the trust even more. Sure. So the vulnerability actually enhances the trust even more, more than just wanting to show off something just to please me or um, yeah. I, that's the feeling I got from also from your share that you were tapping on, uh, you were tapping on that. Yeah. Mm. But we didn't get to you, Bambas, on this question. Up until recently, I've been reacting to people, so I would feel because I'm very sensitive, and then I would take my feelings seriously, but I wouldn't hold it lightly, so there would be a very strong, conclusive reaction towards the person, almost judgmental. And through, through this, through this wonderful chaos and getting to interact with a lot of people, there is more a groundedness in in the feeling and an embrace so i always used to not feel comfortable i used to judge people that were more here instead of saying i'm not comfortable with that and now there's more a, a love for that and it's funny uh, someone messaged me today that i don't know how they got my number that but they wanted to hang out and i it didn't excite me. So I sat with it for a bit, like, what is it in them that doesn't excite me? And it, 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 it had to do with behaviors that I saw. And then it just felt that there wasn't going to be the depth that I love when I, when I am interacting with people. And if that's not there, and the vulnerability, of course. So um, that that's where my no is, but it has nothing to do with trust. It just has to do with the, how, what I, how I choose and who I want to spend my time with. Does that mean that you don't hang out with people you don't trust? Yeah, I do. And not, not in the most negative way of saying trust, because trust would imply judgment towards people whose behavior does not sync up with what they're saying. <laughs> yes. I would say if that's the definition, then probably most of the people in my life are in that category. <laughs> yeah, Natalie, it's been great having you. Yes, Thanks it was really for, great to have you. These two old geezers. Yeah, thank you for giving us our name. Imagine thank that, you. 218 episodes later. We haven't seen you in 218 episodes. Can you yeah. believe that? Well, I, I have. We had a coffee before she left. Oh, we thank send you, you a lot of love. Yeah. Yes, Natalie. And we send you, we'll see you next time then. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it that 